Welcome back to NGF News, everybody. Um, we know this has been a long week since you guys got to get any content on Monday, but we were in London having a great time, and we've got some content coming out for you from that. Um, but today, we have some easy breezy kind of things to go over. Um, the global banking issues and then Putin's warrant arrest. Yeah, um, not so much easy peasy, but uh, very, very complicated issues that, um, I mean... The global banking issue, that one's the most kind of like personal fearful one. Yeah. Uh, while Putin's arrest warrant is kind of just like, in my opinion, like a tap on the hand, like bad, whatever. Bad boy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, going straight into the global banking issues, I'm sure um, all you viewers have seen headlines about SVB collapsing, uh, which is Silicon Valley Bank. Um, the reason why uh, Silicon Valley Bank collapsed is because... They had a bunch of cash into U.S. government bonds. Now, like bonds are a safe investment, right? However, because interest rates rose, the value of these bonds started to drop. Um, so that's kind of just like the gist of what happened to SVB. But if you look more deeply into what was going on at SVB, their first vulnerable uh, vulnerability came when most of their deposits, uh, so people putting in money, which was 93.9% of the people putting in their money, um, the, that money was uninsured, meaning they had passed the $250,000 FDIC limit. Yeah. Um, then what they would do is they would take this money and put it into 10-year U.S. government bonds. Um, at the time, this was like 2021. Yeah. You know, tech, tax was, uh, tech stocks were booming. Every, it was a fantastic year in 2021, but... As this tech boom was coming to an end, uh, inflation was increasing, and this meant, um, sorry, the tech boom came to an end, inflation was rising, and then this meant danger for SVB's strategy and how they were investing people's money. Yeah. Um, SVB did not have cash on hand to provide depositors if they came to pull out money, and tech companies were the first to see this, and because they had accounts over two hundred fifty thousand, so they rushed the bank to get. Their deposits out because of these two vulnerabilities. Um, yeah. yeah, it's it's really interesting because in 2020, it was or 2021. They basically had of their 209 billion in assets. It was 100 billion in their investments and then 100 billion in cash. So, like you said, they put it into the bonds, and then bonds obviously went down, and they were like, "Hmm, let's put them in higher yield bonds. We can make more money." <laughs> Pulled out all their cash, realized that they had a net loss, and then was it like um, it was it was like it was a couple it was like twenty billion yeah like net loss it was high twenty yeah. twenty to forty and so then everyone saw this they pulled out their money and then they're like where did everybody go like, we were just getting started we're just getting started and then the bank failed so there's there's a lot there's been five banks that have failed so far. I think I wrote them all down. Signature Bank failed. Yep. First Republic Bank failed. Uh, Credit Suisse was about... Or, what how you say Credit Suisse. 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 They were about to fail, but then UBS took over with about $2 billion and then took over, I think, 40 of their uh, branches. And so far, there have been or $400 billion that have been poured into rescuing mm -hmm. banks. And in the United States, $150 billion has to be guaranteed give to customers as the pots. Right. Just going back to the Credit Suisse thing, Credit Suisse has always been like the problem child Yes, the global banking crisis. They've been involved in like so many scandals and problems. So 
I guess the contagion, this quote-unquote contagion, I'll go back to the term contagion, yeah. kind of spread to um, Credit Suisse, and people were like, all right, SVB collapsed because they were greedy. Credit Suisse is, like, very greedy as well. Yeah. Not greedy, but they've been involved in, like, scandals and stuff, and we'll get into more of the Credit Suisse scandals um, in the topic of the week. But, uh, yeah, and then people were just like, okay, well, everyone else is pulling out their money, so... Let's uh, let's pull our money out of uh, Credit Suisse as well. But luckily enough, they had UBS and um, the Saudi National Bank as well. They were lucky enough to have them on standby with cash ready to go to save them. So Credit Suisse has been saved, um, but Signature Bank also had the similar problem where they had small businesses that had a bunch of unsecured deposits, meaning, you know, over 250,000. And these people that had these small businesses were like, okay, well, SVB just collapsed. Um, so we're going to do the same and yeah. rest of the banks. <laughs> there, there's, there's a big scare. And the one, the biggest thing right now is that people don't really understand what is going on. So they're fearful that the bank's going to collapse. But the reality is, is that if they left their money in there, most of these banks, especially SVB, because they had a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Would have probably been okay, right. even though they pulled the money, the bonds out. But the biggest problem came when all of the big companies started to pull their money out. Yeah, and so and then all of the little banks, the guess, banks did that. I guess that's kind of fair because it's like, what the hell are you doing with my money? You have no idea what you're doing. Is the type of thing that these tech companies thought, and yeah, that's that's fair, right? But when you have all of these companies rushing out like that. It's just like what what are you doing? Yeah. Like we we have seen what this this does. We yeah, in before two, two instances, the Great Depression and 08. Yeah. And it's just like we have to be yes, I understand there's a lot of pissed people with their money, but we also have to just take it slowly. And yeah. People aren't patient because I mean, yeah, your bank's failing now. And and, and if you're on the brink of retirement and you got two hundred and fifty thousand or less than two hundred and fifty thousand oh, insured. You're fine, or just take it out. I get it. You know, you're on the brink of retirement. These massive companies in Silicon Valley pulling out billions of dollars for what? Which doesn't make sense. Like I know that they see they see what the bank's doing. What the bank did was wrong. They should not have sold to have a net loss Absolutely. to buy more bonds. They are going to have a net loss. <laughs> it's just stupid. So I get why they were fearful, but the the fact is is that you you made it worse. Are these big tech companies who can take the hit screwed over everybody else, and so I think it was just stupid and selfish for them to pull their money out. I think there was just selfishness on all ends. SVB companies. This was all just a clusterfuck, in my opinion. Um, we're going back to the term contagion. I think the the most the biggest worry right now is whether people believe that this may or may not spread. But I mean, just looking at like bank ETFs, and if you just look at the market right now, it's kind of rallying from the point it was before. Does this mean that the contagion is kind of to an end, like ended? In my opinion, I believe that SVB, Signature Bank, these were all kind of like how do I like I isolated incidents. Not really an incident that could spread. It's more like people have gained awareness of what banks were doing. Not so much related to like uh, like the global inflation crisis. Yeah. Right now. 
I think these were just isolated incidents where these banks, yes, it's related to the inflation crisis because of interest rates rising and the bonds that these banks were buying and how much unsecured deposits were in these banks. But this also serves as like a wake up call for other banks and consumers, right, to understand and learn more about their banks and what they do with their money. So this doesn't happen for next time. Yeah. And you're seeing all these small companies now flock to big banks like JP Morgan, yep. Bank of America, Citigroup. So, I mean, I think Credit Suisse was kind of just like the last. And I don't think this would uh, spread out to any more banks, yeah. in my opinion. No, I agree. And I think it's, again, like 2008, just poor money management. You know, they were just handing out loans left and right in 2008. Yep. And same in the Great Depression, just handing out credit loans for whatever they could get their hands on. So it's just bad money management. The difference is is this time the federal government was on it yep. quickly. And, you know, whatever you think about Joe Biden and his administration, you know, you got to put that aside and say they did a good job here. Treasury was quick. Yeah, they, they had to act quickly because they had to first off secure deposits for all the people who pulled out who aren't going to be insured for the 250000 And then also make sure that the companies didn't fail and then make sure that more banks don't fail by, you know, pouring in lots of money. And, okay, yes, are you going to say, is inflation going to go up again? I don't know. It's not a incredible. It's not trillions of dollars. It is high in the billions. You know, 150 billion is high. I don't know. If that's necessarily going to cause inflationary go up again. Mm -hmm. But um, interestingly enough, J.P. Morgan, the CEO, I forget his name, but he Jamie said, "Jamie Damon." Yeah, yeah, Jamie Damon. He said, I think it was last week that he thinks that the banks collapsing is the end of the bear market and the beginning. Of a potential bull market. Really? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I think what he's trying to point out is that we have finally found the cracks in how money is managed. And now that we have these banks that are going to move from greed to more safer investments, this might spark a new path of uh, starting conservative and working our way back up to more aggressive portfolios that yeah. banks have. Personally, I have an aggressive portfolio right now. I don't I don't put the brakes on on it just whatever. Um but the thing is that these banks did get greedy and I think that the period of greedy banks is going to be over. At least yeah. I hope so. And that these these issues serve as lessons for next banks. Yeah. Um it's it's definitely a good point because we we need these banks to start to kind of really manage their money well, uh which Post-2008, we thought they were doing, and then we see things like this, and then we're <laughs> like, okay, you know, what the heck's going on? But I'm going to just say, I don't know necessarily if we're going to go, I think we're definitely at the towards the end of the bear. For, for two reasons. One, we have such strong labor data. Two, we're finally, finally fixing and starting to get past uh, the global supply chain issues. Which, thank goodness. So, and, and then once the war starts to dwindle down, investments start to go back into energy. We start to have, you know, better relations. China might start to, you know, become friendlier with yeah. people and bring up trade. So, 
I mean, all all you're saying would go perfectly into our topic of the week. So yeah, just a little uh, snippet of what we're going to talk about for sure in the yeah. topic of the week. But um, yeah, those are all fantastic points, and I agree too that um, people should not be worried about what's going on with the banking system right now. I think the consumers did a fantastic job in highlighting what what greedy banks are doing, and that it serves a lesson to the banks right now that listen during these times of high inflation and poor like a, a rough economy around the world we can't we can't be playing playing games so um yeah that's all i gotta say for this one yeah uh, do you have any final remarks or should we just move on yeah. to let's go on to the rest, rest, one? rest. <laughs> all right um so as of march 17 2023 the international criminal court i'm gonna say the icc for the rest of this uh clip uh, released two arrest warrants for Vladimir Putin and Maria Alexeyevna Vilova. Vilova. Uh, Maria is the Children's Rights Commissioner for the President of Russia. I need that in Cyrillic to read that. I can't read Russian in like the American English way. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. But uh, ICC states Putin is responsible for the unlawful deportation of children and the unlawful transfer of children um from ukraine to russia and the icc states that they have plenty of reasonable ground to prove that putin is responsible for these crimes uh maria has the same warrant for the similar crimes as putin yeah well it's interesting you say that because the icc says that they have all legal grounds to do it and then the kremlin goes and says um no you don't <laughs> um for two reasons which fortunately since russia is not signatory to the treaty. That is true. So, to the ICC. Um, they also don't have enough evidence to incriminate Putin. And there's never been a world leader really? of his so side. Is the ICC saying this, or was this... No, this is the Kremlin. Oh, this is the Kremlin. This is okay. the Kremlin. I was about and to say. so, the ICC, they're, they're saying that like there's never been a world leader who's been put on this pedestal before and especially who's you know a leader of a big country like russia so this is this is interesting because i mean obviously i believe the kremlin is completely wrong um there there's icc has so much evidence so we're, it is war crimes in general the war in general is a crime and he yep. should go to jail for it but Putin now has to tread some water because there's 123 signatories to the treaty he leaves russia into one of those signatory countries. Into one of those signatory countries outside of Belarus. Potentially Georgia. He's, I think Georgia's in there. I'm not sure. Yeah. I know there's a hundred. Belarus is. He could get arrested, legally speaking. Mm -hmm. Like, they could go up. They, as soon as he lands, they can have a convoy. They can arrest him. John Bolton, former U.S. National Security Advisor, said that we could not cooperate with the ICC, calling the criminal court fundamentally illegitimate that the United States should not cooperate. Really? Where, where was he getting at with this? I don't know. He, he, he just he just says uh, this is not in any way an excuse for Putin's conduct of the war, but there are jurisdictions that can try him, Ukraine in particular, and ultimately free Russia to try him. So if Putin gets overthrown, or if Ukraine win the world, uh, win the I war, see. they can try him. So, what he wants is, he wants it, he wants Putin to be overthrown or tried by Ukraine, yes. not by the ICC. But he makes a good point, because 
legally, the the ICC and the ICJ, which are both uh, UN organizations, do not have legal authority to arrest people or put them in jail. Technically, yes. So they have to rely on one of the member countries, countries yes, to, to then transport them to jail. So to the Hague. There's entire arrest warrant. Just it doesn't make sense to me because they can't really do anything about it. And and what what in reality? What is any country going to do if he does step on their grounds? I mean, they can arrest him. They can, but that's going to be a lot of aggravating the war. I mean, come on, you arrest a leader, the Kremlin doesn't think it's legitimate. They're going to be like, "That's an act of war." Yep. We're going to attack you, and then World War Three starts. It's it is a dangerous move, and now that you put it that way, I, I I can see it, and we also have to look at whether or not if Putin's arrest in a different country would spark a sort of rebellion inside of Russia too. There's also that possibility True. as well. So, will this arrest warrant is it pointless? I would say no, because now you have him wanted in 123 countries, which could put an end to this war. But, like you said, the ICC can't directly arrest suspects, and they have to allow another member country to exercise that power. So, yeah, I mean... Well, and here's the funny thing, too. Russia is about to be the president of the Security Council. So, anything that they say is just... Weren't they already president of the Security Council? It's 2023 now. Oh yeah, that's yeah. right. Because they got a revolve every month. Yeah, they got a revolve every month. So they're they're about to be the this month's president. Oh, uh, so that's going to complicate things even more. Um, basically just calling everybody out, and then China, who is un- incredibly friendly for some reason. Um, uh, there are reasons, but being incredibly friendly can cause a lot of things in the UN Security Council that could just boil over into. The war. I mean, I can go on and on about the the problems with the United Nations Security Council, but whatever whatever those two put out, it's going to be vetoed by another P five member. Or, yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm not too worried about what goes on in the Security Council. Yes, there'll be a lot of name calling and finger pointing, but um, I I am particularly interested in how friendly China is becoming. Even more. I mean, this it's pretty obvious, like that Russia and China are good friends. But even after the warrant was served. It's like China is risking their public image here, right? With with Russia, so and, and they're taking a big risk with it. And there's tensions in China internally, and um, like we saw in class the other day, Xi Jinping and his uh, foreign advisor, um, foreign minister, basically just called out the United States, saying like the reason why you're poor is because the United States is encircling us, which I mean is just clearly not true. Yeah, and the Chinese people are starting to realize that. You know, she she's got a lot of hold on us, and that we don't really want that that hold from the Communist Party. We want a little bit more freedom. So he's been backing off on especially COVID zero policies. But I have an interesting question. Hmm. Let's hear it. The United States, if they want to win this war. I I believe that it's going to be from the inside of Russia. Could the CIA kind of spark a rebellion? <laughs> okay. Um, I let let's be for real. We don't even know what the CIA does in and out every single day, no. right? Yeah. They could maybe they're already planning it right now. Maybe the they they're they're on the ground in Ukraine, right? I mean, we had the 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 Reaper drones, 
that was flying over the Black Sea. No yeah. one knew about. So should the CIA be directly involved with the rebellion? I mean, yes, because Putin, for as long as Putin stays in power, he's going to push Ukraine. He's going to want his four territories in Ukraine. He's going to keep... Bakhmut is a flashpoint. Whoever wins Bakhmut will have essentially have the advantage in the war. Yeah. If we can create a sort of distraction, right? We don't have to create a full-on rebellion. Maybe just a distraction. Just enough so that Ukraine can secure Bakhmut. I think, I think yeah. But yeah. Um, you also have strong... You have opposition's leader leaders already in there. You have Navalny in jail. That's tweeting. that um, He tweeted something about the warrant. He said he was very yeah. happy with the warrant. So, so interesting. It, we need to have these opposition leaders more vocal, and we need to find a way from the outside, right, to have these opposition leaders more vocal. Yeah, um, for sure. I, it's if you if Russia finds out that the CIA is directly involved, it's yeah for sure but i think we should have to help the opposition people more get more power get more voice yep and yeah the only reason i say that um is because post world war ii you you see the cia uh getting involved to try you know cause rebellions in north korea north vietnam um soviet union uh belarus georgia then you go on and you see them try to Form a government in Iraq, Afghanistan, all failed. Complete, like not not just like failed is like it didn't happen. Like it was completely under one hundred eighty. Like they could not everything that they wanted to happen, the direct opposite happened. Right. This time though is a little different. There is much more opposition in Russia than there was in the Soviet Union yep. era. There is a potential to, like you said, get the leaders involved to our opposition to Putin to create tension. And there is tension right now in the country. There are protests every week. There are military and police having to stop these protests every week. They're just not getting anywhere right now. But it's happening. So if you can get more people on that side and get more people to where the police and the protest, like they just can't contain it, it's going to have a big Big problem on his hands. It's so. just like what happened in China where everybody rallied. Yep. Because yep. of those COVID policies. Yep. Everyone two rallied. Million. You can't you can't you can't contain two million people. You can't. Because your first off, your army is only two million and they're spread out everywhere. Same with Russia. They're everywhere. You're not and they don't have two million people in the army. If they can contain if they can get two million people to go out, especially in Moscow, big Moscow crowd, it could change how Putin views the war. Not change that he's going to pull out, but maybe kind of pull back. And that can allow for an offensive from Ukraine to right. kind of push him back. And it, the, the only thing that's stopping people is the fear. Um, yeah. It's just people People want to. There's a bunch of people that want to speak out but are afraid of them getting arrested, family getting arrested. But if you have a one united just push, just like we saw in China, that'd be perfect. Um, they need to organize. They need to be organized. That's the biggest problem. They're not. Yeah, organized. but even the Russian government is just cracking down on organization. They're yeah. they're good with it. They're they're good with cracking down on organization. But there just needs to be just that big enough distraction for Ukraine to make some ground. Because right now it's just a stalemate. Yeah, in, and in Ukraine for sure. So yeah, I mean, that's all I got. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's all I got too. Yeah. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, a little shorter of an episode today, but. We definitely wanted to cover these two because, first off, the global banking crisis is going to 
affect everybody, and Putin's arrest is going to affect how the war is going to change, which inevitably affects everybody. So, you know, keep doing your own research, update yourself. Absolutely. You know, that's what, definitely what we advocate for. We know we miss some things. We do the best we can to cover. So keep doing your own research, and uh, thank you guys for listening.